Awesome. Good morning, everybody. Yeah. Let me take a minute and thank our friend Rudy, who is fairly near new to the church. Let's give it up for Rudy. Where is he? I saw him earlier. There he is right there. Rudy is the filmmaker who put that together for us. So thank you so much for using your talent and using your gifts to bless the church. And we really appreciate that. Awesome. And we cannot not give it up for Caleb, who was the model and actor of that. Yeah, Caleb. Thank you. Thank you. I hope I didn't just ruin the magic of filmmaking by revealing that. But awesome. <laughs> thank you guys so much. And thank you to everybody who just you give of yourselves and the way that God has gifted you. Um, you're so faithful to turn that back to him and to give yourselves away. Uh, your skills, your talents, your time, your heart, your energy. And uh, thank you so much. Every single one of you, you're so important to this larger body and who we are. And uh, so thank you for making us who we are and being used by him. Amen. Uh, speaking of the, larger, of the larger body and the larger picture, we're going to start today by praying for uh, a couple of our friends. Uh, two churches that are starting today. All right. Two brand new church plants. Yeah, let's give it up for that. Two brand new church plants that are being born right now, okay? And uh, even as, as we're meeting and worshiping together, they are holding their very first worship services as a church. And so we want to celebrate them today uh, and thank God in advance for the way that he is moving through those ministries. But we also want to stop and we want to pray for them. Uh, we want for their names to be on our lips today. And uh, we want them to know that we're standing beside them. So we're going to start, uh, we're going to pray for two churches, C4 in Greensboro. You guys met Pastor Ryan and Felicia Sims. Uh, they were here a few weeks back. And uh, so you got to meet them then. And uh, we're also praying for our friends at Awaken City Church in Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, so Pastor Melinda and her family and Jason and, and their, their kids. So we're going to be praying over uh, both of those churches today. So open up your hearts and you pray with me, okay? Don't just listen, uh, but engage as well. You put your hearts into this as well and how the Holy Spirit might be directing you to pray specifically for them today. Jesus, you told us that you would build your church. We do not build it. And we use that term of, of planting, but we understand that you are the gardener. You're the one who plants the seed. You're the one who makes it grow. And uh, we have a role that we get to play in that. We're humbled by that, that you allow us to serve you and to serve the world and to serve our communities in that way. But everything we do is a reflection of you, and it's always pointing back to you. And so this morning, we pray for Pastor Ryan as he stands to preach your word, and we pray for Pastor Melinda as she stands to preach your word today. And we pray that as they open their mouths, the words that they say would be covered by you, would be inspired by you, uh, changes that you want them to make midstream today, things that they weren't planning to say, but you are dropping into their minds and hearts even right now. We pray you would give them the courage to obey and that you would speak truth and you would speak life into people who are looking for hope today. We pray that the trajectory of people's lives would turn today. 
because they hear the hope of the gospel, something opens up in them and they respond to it and their lives are changed forever. We pray for that. We pray for you to draw people to these churches who need the church and people that the church needs. We pray that you would surround these leadership teams with the, with the kinds of people that, that you are, are, are building that team around. We pray for people who will give of themselves in every way to build your kingdom for your sake and for your glory. We pray that you would encourage those teams today and that they would see that what you began in them as a dream and what you established in them as a calling, you are proving to them as they are going to look out today and see that become reality. And we celebrate that. You're the God who speaks and things come into existence. You can create something out of nothing. No one else can do that. Only you can do that. And so we pray that as you speak today, you would speak these churches into existence and they would be for your glory. They would be rooted and established in your love. They would experience that immeasurably more than all that they could ask or imagine and that you would blow their minds today with your goodness and your faithfulness and your grace. We pray for them to be encouraged and built up in their hearts. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Keep praying for them uh, all throughout the week, all right? This is an exciting day for them, uh, but tomorrow they're going to wake up and realize, oh, we, we do this again? <laughs> like, oh, okay, now it's, now it's rolling, all right? Uh, so keep praying for them, and uh, just pray for that ongoing encouragement for these people who are risking a lot in their obedience, in their courageous obedience. And uh, we just pray that they would continue to, to see that, that even though it seems like they're risking a lot, uh, it's not because they're doing it for the treasure of heaven himself. So, yeah, pray for him. Awesome. All right, so we are starting a new series today. We kind of did a little brief intro into it last week, uh, but we're moving into a new series where we're going to be for the rest of the fall together. And uh, over, over these next several weeks together, we are, are looking at what it means to pray, and we're learning to pray from these Old Testament passages that we're going to be walking through together. We felt very clearly as a church that as we get ready to celebrate our 10th anniversary on October 6th, which is going to be a fun day, okay? Um, but as we get ready to celebrate that 10th anniversary, we felt really strongly like the Lord was leading us to set aside this milestone year as a season of prayer. Okay, not praying necessarily for one specific thing to happen or for God to come through in one specific way, but just to pray, to learn what it means to go deeper in that journey of prayer with him and to become his people of prayer and a, and a place of prayer within this community. So that's what we're doing. And we're beginning today uh, in the Old Testament because every fall uh, we, we come back to the Old Testament. That's an intentional move that we make as we walk through the story of Scripture. Uh, we follow the church calendar, the ancient church calendar, and as a way of, of rooting ourselves in that story that's so much larger than our own. And so we root ourselves to the ancient church and to what the church around the world is studying. And so every fall we come back to the Old Testament to make sure that we're seeing the full picture, that we're getting the full scope of God's salvation history all the way throughout his relationship 
with humanity. So over these next several weeks, we're going to look at key prayers from the Old Testament that teach us how to pray, rediscovering these well-worn paths that people have walked before us, that have gone before us into this wilderness of prayer. And uh, we know that God's faithfulness in those days that we're studying through the Old Testament will teach us how to pray in our day. So that's what we're longing for. That's what we're hoping for. And today we start with Psalm 103. All right, so we're going to be in Psalm 103 this morning. And uh, this is a beautiful psalm. It's written by David, King David. Um, And we know through Scripture that God anoints as this king, raises him up. Uh, As we follow his story, uh, we recognize that God sets him up as a future image of what's coming for his people. All right, and that that the God's people are going to be longing for another king like David. That is ultimately fulfilled in the arrival of Jesus. And so we see Jesus uh, all throughout the story of David. And when we're looking at the story of Jesus, we see those echoes of David's life as well. So this psalm is written by this key figure in uh, in Israel's history, in Old Testament history, uh, King David. That's important for us to know. Um, as we as we move into this psalm, another thing that's important for us to know is that the psalms as a whole, like the collection of these poems, of these songs, and of these prayers, uh, this was the prayer language of the heart of God's people throughout their history. Uh, they would memorize these. They were a part of their worship experience. They would gather together. They would repeat these together. It was, it was a framework for worship for them and also in their own personal intimacy with God, this sense in which they would memorize and these would replay in their minds. And so when they would, like we talked about last week, when they would lie down, when they would get up, morning, evening, when they would sit down at the table as a family, when they would walk along the road together, when they would pass through the gate or pass through the door frames, everywhere they went, uh, everything that they did, these scriptures were part of the rhythm of their lives. And as they memorized these prayers and as they prayed them internally and together as a gathered community, it would set that rhythm for them. And it gave them this sense of the language of prayer. Here is how you open your heart to God. Here is how you talk to God. Here is how you hear God talk back to you. Here is how you begin to understand who he is, his character, his heart for you, his his character throughout his dealings with his people. And so the Psalms played a key role for God's people in that way. Not just for his people back in the Old Testament, though. It's interesting as we look at the life of Jesus through the Gospels, how many times he goes back to the Psalms. And as we begin to realize that, we see Jesus quoted the New Testament. uh, In the New Testament, in the Gospels, Jesus quoted the Old Testament 49 times. And the book that he quoted the most, the Psalms. He was drawing on this. This was out of the deep well of his own soul. And he would keep going back to that. And we would see it at different times. Sometimes it's when he's being pressed by the religious leaders, he would refer back to that. Other times when he's teaching or, or when, he's, when he's teaching about prayer. And so it's all throughout the life of Jesus. He refers to, back to the Psalms more than any other Old Testament book. It taught him how to pray. 
even though he's the one in the Old Testament also teaching them to pray, all right? It became a part of his language as well. And so we lean into the Psalms because of that. And Jesus is telling us, dig into this, and this will teach you what it means to pray. This will teach you what it means to pray. Another important reason that we, that we dig into this book is because the Psalms weren't only a part of Jesus' life then and a part of the uh, lives of the, of the people in the Old Testament, but they continue to be an important part of our lives today. And, and the Psalms capture beautifully the full range of human emotion. And no matter what you are experiencing right here today in this moment, there is a psalm that captures what you're feeling. It's beautiful. When you read through the psalms, it's crazy how they can speak directly in to what you are experiencing. They capture the full range of human emotion. Our friends uh, Caleb and Gracia Childers uh, and their their daughter uh, Nora, they recently uh, had a new addition to their family, all right? Little Joaquin, which is the coolest name ever, okay? He's destined to be a cool kid, okay? And uh, so they they had this this new baby Joaquin, and uh, (laughs) Gracia posted this of Nora holding him, and I love that caption. The moment you realize you will have to share your parents' snacks and toys. All right? Look at that look on her face, okay? It's like that full range of emotion. There's that joy and that anticipation. And then also like, oh, wait a minute. This kind of changes everything, okay? But as you read through the Psalms, you will see that. Uh, I really encourage you. As we are going through this series on prayer, this is the only Sunday that we're going to be in one of the Psalms. Um, But as we go through this series, I would encourage you to begin to pray through the Psalms. Uh, Alice and I were talking about that this week, and that's something that she did that was a real encouragement in her life and taught her how to pray. Some, a mentor of hers encouraged her in that. It's something that she did. Uh, Tim Keller is a pastor that many of us look to and, and read and, and listen to. That's another thing that he says in how to pray. When people ask him how to pray, he says, start reading the Psalms. Start reading the Psalms. And if you read through, it will blow your mind the way that it just tracks with human experience. It's very real. It can be very raw. It can be joy. And it can be despair, capturing all of it, the full range. If you want to learn to pray, I want to challenge you on that. Start reading through the Psalms. Pick one a day. When you get to one, Psalm 119, you, want to, you might want to take a week. All right, that was a really long one, okay? <laughs> but pick, maybe you pick one a day and walk through it. And let that be your prayer. And if you don't know how to pray, and if talking about prayer is an intimidation for you or a worry for you and you're like, I've tried, but it hasn't worked for me, then maybe this is a discipline that you can lean into that can begin to give you some shape in that, okay, and give some form to your life in that. Read through the Psalms and you'll find that they are echoing what you are going through in your life. So as we go through this Psalm today, uh, we're going to look at several different things and, and the direction of the journey of prayer, all right, that that prayer leads us into. So as we go into that, Lord, help us today. This is your word. It is alive. You are the author. Um, You wrote this through the experience of real people and the way that they were experiencing you in their real lives. And so we pray that it would speak to us today, that David's experience would become our own experience 
that what he heard from you, that what he sensed from you, that what he experienced in you, we can draw from that. And the beautiful thing is that we don't have to only draw on his experience, but you are offering us the same today too. You are as alive for us and as real for us as you were for David. This person that you said was a person after your own heart. Make us into those kinds of people. We want to be people after your own heart. Teach us in that. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So the first thing that we learn about prayer uh, through this psalm uh, is, number one is this. Prayer is an inward journey into the depths of the soul. All right. Prayer is an inward journey into the depths of the soul. Here's how this psalm begins. It says this. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Anybody needing that renewal like the eagles this morning? Amen. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling that, okay? I need that in my life. But prayer is this inward journey. That's the first thing that we see here. It's an inward journey into the depths of the soul. Now, as we talked about last week, uh, in the Hebrew language and then because of the Hebrew language in the scriptural imagination of the people who are, who are writing scripture, inspired by the Holy Spirit to write scripture, uh, that word soul is an interesting word. Because, yes, it means inner self and the depth of the inner self. Uh, but we also realize it carries a lot of other connotations to it as well. And it means the whole self is this holistic kind of word. All right. The whole life, all of who you are. And so this is what prayer does. It pierces the inner depths of all that we are. And as we go on this journey of prayer and as we walk in these well-worn paths and we learn what it means to experience this in our day, this is that first promise that we get, that it begins in the depths of who we are. It's, it's very encouraging when people say, God will meet you where you are. All right, God will meet you where you are. But that doesn't only mean just in a place. He also meets you in the depths of who you are. In the depths of your own experience, he goes right to the heart and the depths of you. And he begins from there. This is a God who is so high and holy. It's impossible for any of us to ever build our own road to find him. We could never get to him because he's so holy. We could never get to him. But because he is love, he comes to us. He comes to us. And we see this over and over again. He's always initiating. He's always inviting and he's meeting us in the depths of who we are. So whatever it is that you are experiencing right now, whatever it is that you can't vocalize out loud to anyone else, as we said last week, you're already praying because he's already hearing. This is a God who hears, and he hears the depths of your cries. Whatever you're going through today, be encouraged and take hope in this. He's meeting you where you are. Not just a place, but the depths of who you are. And it is okay to begin to vocalize to him what you feel like you can't vocalize to anyone else. 
I want to encourage you to practice that. For some of you, that's a wall that you're going to bump up against. And, and the Holy Spirit is going to lead you in that. And the Holy Spirit hopefully is going to use this series as one of our prayers that he will use this series to begin to break down some of those walls for you. But part of that desire is that he will use this as a, as a time of healing. But for some of you, I want to challenge you that to begin to vocalize in just in the depths of who you are, not even saying it out loud. You don't have to journal it or anything else. Just in the depths, begin to be honest with God about where you are, about what you're experiencing, about what you need, about what your longings are, about what your anger is, what your hurts are. Begin to speak that out. Begin to speak that out and he will he will, he will meet you in that place. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. Do not forget all of his benefits, who forgives all your sins, who heals you, who redeems you, crowns you with love and compassion, who renews you in the depths of your soul. That is waiting for you. That is waiting for you. Begin to open yourself up. Walk with him on that inward journey there's a writer that i really love he's he's this kind of mystic type guy and like a, a writer on spiritual formation he has this classic book called celebration of discipline his name's richard foster and he says this prayer catapults us into the frontier of the spiritual life and that prayer is original research in unexplored territory isn't that beautiful that there are parts of you that no one else knows and when you quiet your soul and you begin to open that up, God is saying, I'm, I know already. I hear you. I hear you. And I see it. And I'm with you. And so it takes us into these deep, deep, deep places. And that's part of the invitation of prayer. It's part of what he wants for you. Now, one of the, the phrases that we use around here a lot is this, that we are monasteries and missionaries. Okay, we are monasteries and missionaries. And so as followers of Jesus who are walking in the way of Jesus, who are learning what it means to be his disciples, he is inviting us into these deep, deep places of intimacy with him. And that's where this prayer journey begins. It's an inward journey and it begins that way. But he doesn't want you to stay only in the depths of this intimate experience or only a personal experience. Christianity has always been more than that. It's always been a communal experience. The very first two people, as we say all the time, who received the first call into discipleship, it wasn't just one person. It was two brothers together. And so from the beginning, Christianity has been a communal experience. So he's calling you absolutely into this depth of intimacy. And at the same time, he is opening up your heart towards others so that you don't just become isolated in yourself. So we are monasteries, places of deep intimacy. And we are also missionaries, people with our hearts turned outward towards others. That's the second thing that we learn here in this passage. Number two is this. Prayer is a journey outward, opening the eyes and heart toward others so it begins in this really deep place praise the lord oh my soul in my inmost being dwell on the benefits of god dwell on that renewing power of god that restores us from within and then it shifts in uh, verse six to this it shifts outward and it says the lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed 
The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. And so we see this outward shift. And so it's not just an internal thing. How many times have we gotten so frustrated when we are in the midst of a tragedy and people don't want to do anything about it? They just want to offer their thoughts and prayers. And it makes us so angry. Because thoughts and prayers, we realize as followers of Jesus, thoughts and prayers have to become hands and feet. And deep prayer and true prayer, even though it's taking us into the deep places of our soul, it won't make us isolated. It won't allow us to only live in that personal intimacy. It calls us into a communal intimacy And it takes that inward journey and it begins to open it outward towards others. And we become burdened for the needs of others. We start to pray for people and they come to our minds as we're praying or we're walking along in the middle of something in the middle of the day and the Holy Spirit puts a burden on us or puts a memory in our mind of someone that we need to stop and pray for or even we continue to do whatever we're doing, but we're praying for them as we go. And he puts his burden on us. He shares his burden with us. But then we feel that prompting too. As we're praying for them, suddenly we realize, well, there is actually something I can do about this. And I'm praying that God would answer this prayer. And God's speaking back to us. I am going to answer that prayer. And I would like for you to be a part of doing that. And he begins to show us ways in which we can actually respond with action. And our thoughts and prayers become hands and feet for the sake of other people. Not just for large tragedies like national, uh, like natural disasters or, or national disasters or gun violence or other things that we see. Uh, uh, race, need for racial reconciliation. Other things that are just dividing our country. Not just those things, but all, those things for sure. But not just those things. Also in interpersonal relationships where he's turning our heart outward towards other people. This week, um, I got a text from someone who is a family friend. And uh, so it's uh, this kind of older couple. And um, the, the, the wife in the couple um, put me on a text thread with like 18 other people. And uh, they were in Wilmington. And last year, she reached out to many of us to pray for them through the hurricane that they experienced. And so this year she sent out another message to that same uh, text thread asking us to pray for them as they went through the hurricane. And so it was this extensive uh, call for prayer and pleading for people to pray. And so all of the people on the text thread, uh, their hearts are turned towards them and they're sending these texts of prayer. And then we get this uh, response in the middle of it from someone Please remove me from this list. I don't know any, who any of you people are, okay? <laughs> so from praying, praying, and we'll continue praying God's peace to I don't know any of you people. Please remove me. And I'm like, no, dude, no, you're in this now. <laughs> right? Don't you want to know? Like, hey, is everyone okay? Okay, come on, stick with us, all right? And then it comes to this. People just keep sending it, all right? So after everything was good, praise the Lord for his protection. Enjoy this good weekend. So glad to hear it. Please remove me from this gruo, which is like, dude, 
if you're going to like blast us, then at least get your grammar right and spelling right, okay? <laughs> Please remove us from this, what I guess was supposed to be group. I do not know any of you people. This is the second time I am asking. The third time I will, period. OT, be so pleasant. It's supposed to be not so pleasant, okay? If you're going to like go all caps, then like take the time to make sure you get your words right, okay? So this dude is just, he is just blasting it, all right? And it was amazing because I saw that. And when I saw this come through, I, I have to admit, uh, probably some of the other people had their feelings hurt. I was laughing, okay? <laughs> I was like waiting to meet someone for lunch at a restaurant. And I am literally looking at my phone, tears in my eyes, like, this is awesome, okay? And the people around me were probably worried about me. Uh, and then this comes through, Okay. <laughs> I love this because right after it blasts, some sweet old person sends this text. Like just moments later, it's like, bing, and it's so thankful, praying for you guys. So this is my only contribution. (laughs) I promise I was praying for them, all right? (laughs) I'm just really bad at texting. Except in highly inappropriate moments. (laughs) So my only contribution after she says, so thankful praying for you guys is, "Uh uh-oh, here we go. (laughs) Followed by, all right, I warned you already, but none of you listened. I don't know what's going to happen to us, guys. (laughs) But I'm kind of worried, all right? (laughs) That's where it ended. (laughs) So if I seem a little bit, like, anxious today, that's why. (laughs) I'm waiting for the shoe to drop. Okay. No, your heart's got to be turned outward. Dude, you're in this with us, okay? You don't get to just sit there and blast us with your anger, all right? You are in it now. You're in it. That's the same for all of us, all right? Prayer is a journey outward. It opens opens our eyes, opens the heart towards the needs of others. We actually become burdened and concerned for what another person is walking through, not only concerned about ourselves, about our own inconveniences. And isn't that interesting how we can get so annoyed and inconvenienced by the tragedy of other people? Prayer takes us inward into deep places, absolutely, but then it turns the heart outward. And it causes us to not only pray for others, but then to allow God to use us to be the answers to those prayers. And thoughts and prayers become hands and feet. God has this powerful way of taking our own hurt and pain and tragedy. And then he begins a journey of redemption for us by using some of those heartbreaking experiences that we have been through as part of a healing journey for other people. We have to keep our eyes and our hearts open toward the needs of others. And prayer will spark that in you. Prayer will prompt that in you. Prayer will provoke that in you. It won't let you become self-absorbed or isolated. It will open the heart. Number three is this. Prayer is a journey backward 
reminding us to rehearse the story. Here's what it says in that next line in verse 7. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. I love this. David is a mighty king in his own right, and he's still looking back to all of the glorious things that God has done for them in the past, not just as a longing to go back there, but to root himself in the story and to remind himself of God's faithfulness every single step of the way. And we have to do that too. Prayer will do that. Prayer will bring to mind and remind you of the larger story that you are a part of. As you pray, the Holy Spirit will provoke memories in you of ways that God has provided you for you before in the very thing that you're praying about now. You're saying, God, I'm in the middle of this thing and I need you to come through and I'm not trusting right now that you're going to come through. And then we will remember a time in which he already came through for us around the same thing. And he'll begin to outline for us the pattern of his faithfulness in our own lives. One of the key ways that he does that is when we root ourselves in scripture, when we become people rooted in this book and we allow this story to get inside of us. And the Holy Spirit brings those stories back to us over and over again. Not just of how God has been faithful in our own lives, but how God has been faithful all the way throughout history. The salvation history of his relationship with humanity. That's why it's so important to be rooted in this book. And prayer helps us do that. It's a journey backwards, reminding us to rehearse the story of God's faithfulness. Number four, prayer is a journey forward into the glories of grace. Prayer is a journey forward into the glories of grace. Listen to what it says, starting in verse eight. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Let this just be prayed over you right now, okay? Just receive this even as a prayer over you right now. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Slow to anger. He doesn't fly off the handle at you. He doesn't have a short fuse with you. Slow to anger and abounding in love. He is extravagant in his love towards you. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. Our sins deserve for him to harbor that against us forever. And to treat us according to those sins. But that's not the character of God. And that's not what he does. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. Or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth. So great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west. So far has he removed our transgressions from us. Amen. Amen. Prayer reminds us of that. When we will go on this journey with him into prayer, then the Holy Spirit will preach the gospel to us again and again and again and again and remind us of who we are in him, remind us of our identity in him, of how we were formed, of how we were rescued, of all that God has done to pursue us and to bring us into a relationship with him, and he will speak the truth over us again and again and again. And those things that you can't even say out loud to anyone else, his voice comes over those and says to them, 
I will not treat you in the way that you deserve. Instead, I'm going to treat you according to my character and my heart for you. I'm slow to anger. I'm compassionate, abounding in love. I will take those sins and I will cover them with my own blood. I will pay the sacrifice for your sin. I will give you forgiveness. I will bring you into a restored relationship that was broken because of sin, but now made whole because of his sacrifice and his love for us and his grace. And the word echoing and booming over your life is the word of grace, of grace, of grace. Now, here's the deal. Why do we say that journey, that prayer is a journey forward when obviously the cross took place 2,000 years ago? Wouldn't that have been the one to go backward on, all right, if we're like going to stick to the whole direction thing? Can you follow that theme today, all right? Isn't that, the, isn't that the, the backwards moment? No, it's not. Because absolutely the cross is a moment that takes place in space and time, an actual event in actual human history. But that one moment continues to have cosmic, cosmic implications and repercussions for the entire world and for us. And because of what happened in that moment, now our past is forgiven. Our present is marked by victory. And our future is marked by hope and security and assurance because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. As you walk with him in this journey of prayer, the Holy Spirit will continue to preach the gospel to you, will continue to remind you that you are forgiven because of the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ, that he loved you so much, he laid his life down for you, that he took that judgment upon himself so that the word over you can be grace and so that the road ahead of you can be one of a reconciled relationship. He's gonna continue to move you deeper and deeper into the glories of grace as that relationship continues to go on. Number five and final is this. Prayer is a journey upward into worship of the king on his throne. So we've seen this trajectory and we've seen this path that this prayer has taken from inward in this very deep moment about the, the most inmost being, he says, in our soul. And then it turns outward in this uh, heart that's opened Towards others. And then it looks backward, rehearsing that story, remembering that story, and is looking forward. And the opportunity of grace that lies ahead of us as we continue to grow in the grace of Jesus. And now it's this journey upward. Now our eyes are turned upward into worship of the king on his throne. Here's what he says as he closes out this psalm As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, for he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. As for us, our days are like grass. We flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over and we are gone. Our place remembered no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. 
Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts and his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. This is what prayer does. In prayer, Jesus meets us in our most inmost place. And then he begins to continue to open the heart outward, help us look backward, help us move forward, and ultimately fix our gaze upward. And when we do that, everything else comes into perspective. And even though maybe we begin in a place of despair, and maybe that despair seems to continue to hang around us, as our eyes are turned upward, everything comes into perspective, and we realize that we are under the reign of a king. Who I love the way that, that it begins. Yes, he's this powerful king, all sovereign, almighty. And yet, how does it begin that description? Like a father who has compassion on his children. This is who you are in him and your life is safe under his reign you can rest in that as we move into communion today i want to challenge you this week to maybe practice that to to move into that as a way of putting this actually into action in your life remember those directions and maybe you walk through a pattern of prayer with that in your life for some of you, it'll, it'll be starting to pray through the Psalms. For others, you can pray through this directionally to begin inward, then to pray outward, to pray backward, to pray forward, and to pray upward. As the Holy Spirit has already drawn our minds to today, to the work of Jesus on the cross, and it's so beautiful that that Psalm written by David generations before the reality of what Jesus was going to do on the cross. It's so powerful. But David knew this. And David experienced the power of the forgiveness of God. He was a person who was broken in his relationship with God because of his sinfulness. And he experienced what it meant to be brought into that relationship with him and to experience his grace. He's writing out of his own experience. Jesus, while he's with his disciples on the last night with them at the table, took the bread that was on the table. And as he looked backward with them, having rehearsed the story of how God had set the people free out of slavery in Egypt, he helped them begin to see forward. And this journey that they were about to make into the glories of grace. He said, this bread is like my body. That is broken for you to make you whole. And he said, this cup is like my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sin, for the salvation of the world. He said, every time that you taste of this, remember me and remember what I have done for you. That's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to invite you to come to the table and embrace what Jesus Christ has done for you. As believers, we do this, as this local expression of the church, we do this every week as a reminder to keep ourselves rooted in this reality of who we are because of who he is and what he has accomplished 
for us. So we invite you to embrace that today. And if that is what is in the depth of your heart and you're saying, I want that. I want that in my life. And this table is open to all of us. We're going to invite you to come down. There'll be two stations, one on this side, one on this side. You can tear off a piece of the bread and dip it into the cup and taste and see that the Lord is good. If you need a gluten-free option, then that will be available for you here. Also, as always, during our time of communion, this is also a time of prayer. And so we have these places of prayer uh, on either side here. There'll be someone who can pray for you. And also Allison in the back, our pastor of congregational care, uh, will pray for you as well if you want to meet with her there in the back. Come and embrace what Jesus Christ has done for you. Amen.